Welcome to the Word Podcast. The Lord God has given us His Word. Let us learn it. Let us live it. Let us rejoice in it. Spread the Word. Blessings, everybody. This is Dale. Thank you so much for joining with me today on the Word Podcast. We are in the Gospel of Mark in the fifth chapter. And boy, there's some interesting, wild things going on here, are there not? Sometimes we look at these accounts and uh, you have to be careful because we we don't think this way, but we actually think this way and act this way (laughs) as if these were nearly fables, as if these were nearly fictitious tales. And they're not. These are real accounts about what happened in the life of Jesus. We have just seen where he set a man free, a man that had a legion of demons. And remember how that man wanted to go with Jesus? And Jesus says, no, no, go home. Go home and do this. Tell your people, report to them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he had mercy on you. Folks, that's one of the primary things that we were supposed to do is to tell the great things that the Lord has done for us and how he's had mercy on us. But I fear that too often that we are uh, equipped, that we are trained, that we are propagated (laughs) with information to where we can go and try to sell somebody on something, where we can try to get them to come and be a part of us, where we can try to do this and try to do that. And it's not at all what you see in Scripture. It's not at all. What we're supposed to do is tell the great things the Lord has done. Now, the sad reality is this. There's a lot of people trying to, quote, get people to come to church, unquote, who have never been transformed themselves. That's what the reality is. Oh, yeah, they're very religious, okay? They're often very nice. They do all sorts of good things in the name of the Lord, but they've never been transformed. So therefore, they can't really tell the great things that God has done for them. They might be able to tell the great things that God has done for somebody else or point out the great things that God has done from the Scripture, but they can't declare the great things that God has done for them or the great mercy that the Lord has had on them because they have yet to receive that mercy. They have yet to receive that grace. Sorry, folks, you can't receive it when you're six months old and somebody declares that you've got it. Okay, it doesn't work that way. Okay, we're actually going to see some things related to this in the next episode. So Jesus leaves because the people there had asked him to leave. He gets in the boat and he leaves. Now, chapter 5, verse 21 says this. When Jesus had crossed over again in the boat to the other side. So remember, he'd left from one side of the lake, gone over the other side, had the encounter with the Gerasenes, right? Now he turns around, he goes back to the other side. Now, it's not necessarily the same place on the other side, but he's just going back and forth across this lake all through Mark. So he comes to the other side, and a large crowd gathered around him. And so he stayed by the seashore. So the word would get out very, very quickly. Hey, Jesus is here. He's on that boat right over there. And then this crowd would gather, and he would just stay by the seashore. One of the synagogue officials, verse 22, named Jairus, came up and on seeing him fell at his feet. Now, this guy is a synagogue official. He's a synagogue ruler, okay? And so he's a big muckety-muck in the local synagogue, okay? I don't know, not necessarily a priest, per se, okay? Not a priest necessarily, but could be. But he's just one of the official rulers. He's one of the guys that ran the synagogue. 
and he heard Jesus was there, he came up to him, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet. Well, what does falling at his feet infer? Yeah, worship, giving honor to, okay? Well, verse 23 explains this. He fell at his feet and implored him. There's that word again. Is that not the, like the fifth time we've seen the word implored? Uh, I think maybe even this chapter right here. He implored Jesus earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Please come and lay your hands on her so that she will get well and live. Now, I just want you to think through what's going on with this thing right here. This guy is at a point of desperation. His little daughter is at the point of death. She's about to die, and he knew it. He doesn't know what to do. Guess what? His religion, Judaism, his faith, Judaism, his church folk, synagogue, the religious leaders and all this, had no answer for this, had no hope. But he heard that Jesus was there, and he came and he threw himself at the feet of Jesus. Folks, this is powerful. This is literally what we're supposed to be doing day in and day out, not depending upon ourselves, but coming before the Lord in everything. And he says this to Jesus, please come and lay your hands on her. See, he had heard about what Jesus had done, might have even seen it and experienced some of the things. But now it's hitting home. And he says, will you please come and lay your hands on her? Now, notice he wanted Jesus to go to the girl. That's fine. That's fine. You know, there's other places in, in Scripture and other accounts that we'll see where uh, particularly a Gentile just says, hey, no, don't come, don't come, don't come. You just say the word and they'll be healed. Okay? And it really is sort of a picture of degrees of faith. Now, he wasn't thinking that way. But it reveals that he had faith in Jesus. And he knew that if Jesus would come and if he would lay his hands on her, that she would get well and live. He knew that would happen. And he's asking the Lord to do this. Now, let me tell you, this would have cost him much. <laughs> this would cost him status, don't you think, within the synagogue. Now, there was, there was resistance against Jesus already among the religious leadership, no doubt. Had that trickled down to where everybody knew what was going on? No, 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 not at all. But this guy didn't care. This synagogue official right here, this synagogue ruler, had a problem, and he knew that the only source of life for his daughter, who was right at the point of death, was Jesus, and Jesus laying his hands on him. He comes up, he bows before him, falls before him at his feet, implores him earnestly. Earnestly, that means he's, uh, we'd probably call it begging him. Okay, imploring him and begging him to come. <clears throat> well, what does Jesus do? Well, the word tells us, verse 24, and Jesus went off with him, and a large crowd was following him and pressing in on him. In other words, pushing in on Jesus, following him. Now, Mark does here what he does quite often in his gospel. He does what uh, is called, in academia actually calls it this. He does a sandwich here. So we have the count of uh, the synagogue official Jairus here. And so they're on their way. And then the next thing in verse 25, there's another thing that happens. Okay? Another thing. And then after that thing that happens, the account is picked up again about the synagogue official and his daughter. 
And so Mark will put another little story, another little thing that occurs in the midst of a bigger story. So we don't have time to get in that right now. We're going to have to go over the next couple episodes, as a matter of fact. But remember what's going on right here. You've got this synagogue official. He comes before Jesus. He says, please, come lay hands on her that she will get well and live. Jesus gets up, starts walking off with him, and a large crowd is pressing in around him. Then we're going to see what happens next. <laughs> we'll see that next time, okay? Again, I'm Dale. Thank you so much for your time, and I'll see you in the next episode. Goodbye.